Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Carl Mack, and this is of course Combat Chronicles. Now, if you want to hear all my thoughts on UFC 298, please head on over to www.patreon.com slash combat chronicles. But for this episode, you get to hear about the big one. Ilya Taporia dethroning the great Alexander Volkanovsky to win the UFC 145 pound featherweight title. I don't know about you guys, but it felt like a real big fight to me. It played out as such. Incredible stoppage that will surely be at the end of the year, one of the great finishes that we see in all of combat sports. Taporia looks like a pound-for-pound pound talent. Volkanovski will always be a legend of the sport, regardless what happens from here on out. But without further ado, here's the section of the podcast that details that fight. And I'd love to hear your thoughts over on Twitter, at CombatCR. Let me know, do you agree with me based on my reading of the fight, based on my reading of the fighters, based on how this fight pertains to the future of mixed martial arts? See you on the other side. I respect you as a person, as a professional. I just, I'm just fighting for my dreams. All right, you guys. You said okay. please. Yeah, snapped it off beautifully there. Oh, Sounds about right. Ilya Tapura knocking out Alexander Volkanovsky in round two to become the new UFC 145-pound featherweight champion. And with that main event, which is so important to our viewing of the past, present and future, I guess, as it stands to the current MMA landscape, especially of the 145-pound division, and maybe as uh, and then having wider ramifications in the pound for pound sense as well. I did think Tapori was going to get it done. If you heard my very brief summary of my thoughts on was the last the last episode, yeah, it must have been the last Patreon episode, right? Um, I just thought right blend of skills, right time, big dig, etc. Volk, not just the age thing, but you know, coming off the uh, the, lo- the knockout loss to is in Makachev in the last fight, just seemed destined. For Tapura to win, and actually, given the build up for this, uh, for the fight, I think Volkanovski did a great job, you know, with his old man routine and everything. I thought that commercial was great, and he, and he played up to the shtick this week. But 
he was setting them, they both sort of set themselves up for failure really because if he did lose and go well okay you were past it um, we'll talk about the fight in a second I don't think he necessarily is that past it but Tapura was setting himself up a little bit as well very brash stealing the belt you know I'm not going to fight any of the contenders I'm going to fight McGregor after I win the belt all that sort of stuff he doesn't really need any of that I actually led with that clip um, from the face-offs after Wayne's when he, when he said you know I really respect you and this is just my dream I much prefer that side of Tapura um, this sort of overly cocky, brash, flashy thing. It's easy to root for as a fighter. Don't need any of that. He's one of those fighters where his performance is very much the star-making aspect of his um, persona and, and, and the reception he's getting from fans because he's an absolute destroyer, basically. But it seems that the UFC have put their chips in on him. Certainly having you know, major Spanish sports stars backing him helps as well, but... It's kind of like, um, hmm, I'm trying to make a comparison. I guess you could sort of say the Dallas Cowboys, where any team in the vicinity of the area supports them um, because they don't have a team, say for example, Oklahoma, uh, or maybe something like the Carolina Panthers, where it's North and South Carolina that can support them. Because basically, due to his uh, heritage, I think he's born in Germany, he is Georgian and is obviously represented in Spain. It's just a, a a pretty large fan base there of people that will root for him on a, on a sort of nationality, nationalistic basis. Adding, of course, that he looks the part and uh, you know, physically and in terms of his output in the cage. And pretty easy to see that Ilya Taporia is the coming man. I just sort of, that sort of just played into my analysis as well. It's just sort of in a kind of too big to fail kind of thing. I think going to, of course, people say, oh, he's only beaten two fights with. You know, really heard of in, in the featherweight division at least in terms of Bryce Mitchell and, and Josh Emmett being ranked contenders but I kind of saw that as very good sort of moving uh, moving of a prospect you know out grapples a grappler out strikes a striker and now you know taking on one of the best cage generals of all time one of the all time greats it's all about whether you can put all those pieces together in it and you know we saw against Bryce Mitchell that he just cut through him we saw against Emmett that he was able to stand in a pocket of a big banger, piece him up with the jab, etc. But okay, what if he's got to think even more? What if he's given him a variety of different looks? How is he going to respond then? Is he going to be just winging big punches and with with no idea of craft? Well, it turns out actually that was not the case. And and Tapura does look very much like, I mean, what is he? Twenty seven. I mean, this this guy could end up one of the greats. I don't think it's like a, a Cody Garbrandt beating Dominic Cruz kind of situation where it's a stylistic thing or, you know, Cody actually being quite one note or having a major, major issue that we didn't know about, which was obviously his chin. I know people say, it's not his chin, it's his defence. He gets knocked out fucking like it's going out of fashion. Trust me, he not have the best chin either. Um, but with Taporia, and I think I made this case before, like, when they gave Julian Jackson the hardest punch of all time, they couldn't give him a great chin as well. And Taporia looks to be multifaceted, multi-skilled, you know, well-rounded, in the prime of his life, and insanely durable, and an absolute knockout artist. A couple of interesting things pre-fight is that Taporia didn't look quite as big as usual, and also Vulcan obviously didn't look as small as I thought he would. They looked very much, you know, of the same weight class. They both fought at 155 before, and uh, yeah, they both looked perfectly great for 145 pounds so you can't even say that Volk was just run over by pure size or anything like that Volk's a little tank there and uh, they both looked perfectly well matched as I said I don't think Tapura to me looked, to, he looked a little bit leaner but did not affect his performance at all 
as he still looked a physical specimen. For me, the first round was an interesting one because they both seemed to be trying to throw things at the wall to see what sticked. Both trying to establish the leg kicks, um, and very much low kicks, calf kicks and, and what have you. Volk going inside and outside, that sort of thing. Couldn't really get the jab going. Taporio trying to fathom out, can I hit him with the right hand now? You know, just trying to see how many steps to close the distance. What's his reaction time like? And actually Volkanovski looked very good to me in terms of slipping, dipping and pivoting. He looked sharp. Did not look like a shot fighter at all. Sometimes, and I made this, this claim before, that you can tell a fighter's shot when they can get in and not as quick at getting out. Volkanovski looked very, very quick at getting out. It took Taporia's smarts and the ability to set up his shots to actually get it done. But certainly the first round, Rogan honed in on the... Volkanovski's legs hurt. He's not moving the same. He looked fine to me, even though Tapora did get the calf kick going. Uh, Volkanovski was hitting him with low kicks as well. A little bit ropey. Overextended at the time. Tapora wasn't quite there. Just wasn't really gauging the distance. That was my issue with Volkanovski. But they're both trying to sort of figure the other one out. Obviously, everyone online said, oh, it's a real chess match. Um, was it a chess match? Not quite at that point. It's more, you know... First round in Muay Thai kind of thing. Just sending out some feelers to figure out what's going to happen and uh, see what reactions you can get. I said at the end of the third round, that the sorry, third round, the first round, they could have gone either way. And actually, the fight could go either way. In the sense that it didn't really give me a solid look at what the shape of the fight was going to be. I was still trying to figure it out at that point. Volkanovski was doing his thing. Could he sustain that over five? Was Taporia getting closer? Or was this going to be the pattern? Was he going to find it hard to get to Volk? As it stands, I actually preferred Volkanovski's approach in the second round. Was starting to sort of sort of mess up Taporia's rhythm by anticipating him uh, coming in and hitting with the jab first. Sort of more of a straight left rather than a jab. Real stubby shot. Running him into it. And... I thought at that point that Volkanovski started getting this kicking game uh, going a bit more, going low-high, just giving Tapora more to think about, started redding up the nose, sort of jab, pivot out, etc., keeping moving, all these little things. And I thought, ooh, Volkanovski started to think his way into the fight here. He started to feel his way into the fight here, started to get a bit of a rim going. And Tapora wasn't getting his rim going. I'm sure the jab was still there for for Tapora and he was still getting the, the low kicks going, but... When he'd rush into Volkanovski to try and hit him with bigger shots, Volkanovski was, you know, slipping, shoulder rolling, etc., and then dipping back out. And I thought, well, you know, he's getting close, but he's not getting any closer than he was in the first round. Sort of started to see uh, a narrative forming, and then Tapoya rather wisely started level changing himself, giving Volk more to think about, and. Because of Volk getting more comfortable, I feel, he was sending out more feelers himself. And as he started being more insistent about jabbing, and he wasn't really holding the pocket or anything like that, but just by jabbing and trying to slip back out the back door, he was giving Tapora that opportunity to... I hate that whole, you know, downloading data. It wasn't really the case. He was just sort of rolling with it, Tapora, and, okay, cross-counter, etc. Getting there, but not quite close enough. Okay, fine. Rather than one shot at a time, let's throw three or four. And, of course, goes low, goes high. Volkanovski goes back, concedes ground, back to the cage. 
and very, very quickly, Tapuria frames off, lead hand, bang, whips the right hand round, flattens him. I'm pretty sure he clobbered him with a left hook as well on the way down. Some more ground and pound. My brain's still jambled. I watched it maybe six or seven times, but maybe the, the brain doesn't want to compute such ultra-violence, but slumped Volkanovski. Much as Makachev did, catching him with a single shot and then finishing him off a ground and pound. Both very, very violent finishes. Volkanovski getting up from both of them much too quickly, in my opinion. This one seemed to wear on him for a bit longer. He was down for a while, but it just bounces back so quickly, Volkanovski. He seems a guy who, despite sending out signals to us that not is all fine and uh, you know, it's not all fine and dandy when he's not in the cage. And maybe losses do wear on him harder than they appear to. He just bounces back, seems to bounce back straight away. Come straight back round like a boomerang, using Australian analogy. This is a hard moment for you. Give me your thoughts on it. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you know that's obviously as the powers of the hands. We knew uh, you got to be careful of that. Uh, yeah. Well done to him. You know he called me. Uh, yeah. I was gonna start working everything, and he got me. So uh, credit to him. Uh, obviously, he's a hard hitter. We knew that going in. Uh, he wasn't meant to land like that, but he did. So uh, credit to him. Uh, obviously, you know I've been championing this featherweight division a long time. He keeps mentioning Spain. Uh, maybe uh, we do a rematch over there in Spain. Well, you have been an amazing champion, and I would love to see you fight again, no matter who you fight and where you fight. It is an honor to call your fight, as always. Thank you, sir. Alexander Volkanovsky, ladies and gentlemen. And it therefore gives you an impression that everything's going to be okay. But uh, was he 36, 37? Two knockout losses on the trot. Lost three out of his last four. Could easily be two and two. And actually, that first one, no one can count. The Makachev loss, it's obviously the first loss of those um, three. Not his first ever loss. It's his second loss, right? He lost back when he was a fucking welterweight or something. Um, but yeah, that first one, you know, the, the, the fight with Makachev really come out of that as the winner. So really, he's only lost two. But he's lost two by knockout on the on the trot. Now, chatting to the boys about this this morning, I'm very much aware that I sort of led the funeral march for Roman Gonzalez when he lost to... Stress gets sort of rung with his eye in that hard fight and then got absolutely fucking obliterated. And he went on and on. And Volkanovski seemed very much with it. He's not really given any other indications that he's shot physically, that his reaction time's bad or anything like that. He just got swallowed up by, in the first instance, a much larger fighter who caught him unawares on very, very short notice. And Mark Chev's an underrated striker, Certainly nowadays, um, his precision and, and sort of timing's come on. He's awkward and janky. He just got caught. Got his fucking head split open and immediately he's back up and went, oh, fuck, I got caught. And this one, he just got obliterated by a guy who looks to have little to no weakness based on what we know about him. You can't keep doing this, but it's certainly not a Tony Ferguson situation. Easily see Volkanovski come back later on in the year. I'd like to see him fight the winner of Aljamain Sterling and uh, Calvin Cater myself. I think that's a perfect fight, especially if it's Aljamain Sterling. Now, see, that's a perfect fight for both of them. Aljamain Sterling gets to take on the former champion, former pound-for-pound pound number one, and prove I'm back at and, and 145, I'm ready for a title shot. Much as, my God, I would not want to see him fight Ilya Tapuria. 
and Volkanovski gets to fight a former champion and sort of top 10 pound for pounder. Not that scary, you know, in terms of the offensive output. I mean, for me, even even as underrated as I consider Aljamain Sterling in his championship prime, I think Volkanovski has been pretty far gone physically to lose to him on a start, in terms of a stylistic basis. But Volkanovski kids you in thinking he's absolutely fine. He could be shot to pieces because that is a horrendous knockout to take after taking one so recently. When was that fight? November? So, yeah, I think if he wants to give it another go, he's earned the right to do so. If I'm the UFC, I say, please, be on our commentary booth. You'd be a fantastic analyst and uh, you're beloved. And that's the great thing about Volkanovski that we've seen in recent times, especially since the first Mukachev fight. Actually, I think maybe since the, the Korean zombie fight where the UFC made a very concerted effort to say, this guy is one of the best. They didn't realise they had one before then, it seemed. But they kept saying, this guy's one of the best. And now fans seem to love it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Very interesting point raised by uh, by a mate on Twitter this morning, saying, "Do you remember after the second Holloway fight where he was basically public enemy number one, condemned for daring to win a close fight, and um, yeah, now he seems to be one of the more beloved fighters around. Very well respected, very well liked. His personality is well received. You know, amiable chap and uh, good humoured." Good natured, fucking nails, tough competitor in the cage. And I think people have really warmed to him over the last couple of years and, and, and embraced him as one of the best pound for pound fighters in the sport. And because of that, and because Tapora has just wasted him in such 
brutal fashion. I think that um, if he plays his cards right, Sabora could be one of the biggest stars in the sport. And the UFC is actually you know, crying out for more established stars at the moment anyway. But Volkanovski being so well-loved, I mean, give him a fucking job. Get him out of the cage, but keep him in fighting. If he wants to fight again, fine. But the whole idea of having a rematch on foreign soil, I don't really see any outcome where Volkanovski can beat Taporia. I was talking to Ryan Wagner about online. Anyone listens to his podcast with any regularity, you know, I probably rate him as the best analyst around. He was saying, you know, Volkanovski still has a path to victory. Prime for prime, anyway. And if we still consider that Volkanovski is somewhere near his prime. I don't think Ryan might be saying too much that, you know, he's claimed that, you know, Volkanovski can pressure Topore more, not allow himself to get run back to the cage, etc. Give him a better chance of winning. is still holds true. But for me, entering anywhere near the pocket more frequently isn't going to convince me that he has a better chance of winning. And Tapore is so explosive, fast, varied, does it all, it's all smart, all the stuff's coming, I say, come off the jab, or coming off combos, level changes, feints, etc. Kicking game's getting better and better. Defence is pretty darn good. All these things just make you think it's a pretty poor matchup, Volkanovski, all things considered. He's usually a faster guy in there, he's usually the more active fainter, he's usually able to fall back on his grappling and his cage um, clinch game if he needs to. All these things seem to be somewhat of a moot point against Taporo's younger, as fast, slash faster, I would say faster, is fair. Way more powerful and seems to be, based on what we know of the digs he took against Josh Emmett, more durable. And this is my main thing with Volkanovski. I'm not, not so sure he's ever really faced any massive punches. Mendes was a good puncher, there's no doubt about it. Aldo could crack a bit, obviously. But we know for a while that Aldo could also make 135, which was a shock to me. Holloway has never been a big puncher. He's a, he's a you know, volume puncher and he stung Volk, caught him. Makachev caught him, pushed him back on his heels. Obviously a bigger guy, but no one's going to say he's a knockout puncher. These are all good punches. Some excellent punches, but they're not big knockout punches. Now, the idea, of course, that Volk could fight someone to say... Equal power to Tapura, but far less craft and survive is absolutely fine. Not going to doubt that for a second. Volkanovski is not some you know glass jaw joke or anything like that. I think when you put all that together, based on Tapura having the all round skill set plus that massive dig, and he does seem to be a genuine knockout artist, I just think it's a really untenable situation for Volkanovski. And the idea that oh, we could tweak it, I mean. He might tweak it and survive. I'm still not sure I'd bank on him doing enough to keep Tapura honest or even just to win a point fight in contest. I, I just don't see it. It's a bad, historically bad matchup for him. doesn't mean that Tapura is going to go on and be a greater fighter than him or anything like that, although it very well could be. But um, I certainly don't want to see Volkanovski in there with him again. And not at this stage. I really hope that my attempt to be balanced there it's come across as such because I don't want anyone to think I'm just writing him off as some kind of recency bias thing. And I'm, as I say, I'll offer the example before when I was completely wrong about a fire who I assumed, based on what I know about career ebb and flows, was done for and absolutely was not. And with Volkanovsky, very, very smart fighter, cerebral fighter, strong as an ox, and mentally and physically. 
As I say, even if he is letting fights affect him more than he is letting on, he's strong enough mentally to go, fuck this, I'm getting straight back in there with the most dangerous bloke in the division three months after I got sparked out, and he did it. And he did not look like a bloke that was perturbed, did not look like a bloke that was awed by the situation. He was uh, he was in there to win it. That's strong mental. That's been very, very strong mentally. As for Ilya Taporia, obviously, we're not going to put him top of the pound-for-pound rankings just yet, but based on his recent run, three top tenders, including the best in the division and the top two pound-for-pound guy himself in Volkanovski, he's obviously you know going to be on the list soon. If you go on skill set, who would beat who if they were the same size, that sort of thing. Well, he's, he's got it all by the looks of it. Just a wonderfully streamlined uh, destroyer of men. It is very rare to get this sort of blend of, of uh, skill set in, in any combat sport. There's always the worry, of course, that he's going to become over-reliant on his power or in love with his power and lose the nuance that makes him so dangerous. But seems to have his head screwed on, so let's hope that's not the case. Let's hope for a big big uh, fight at Bernabeu or New Camp or whatever in Spain. That'd be great. That'd have a big UFC card in Spain. I'd love to see that. But, um, yeah, Tapura, the, the, the issue for me is he sort of comes as 145 is in some sort of transitionary phase where we kind of know who the haves and the have-nots are. There's not there's only one real elite guy that he could find. That's Max Holloway, who may well be about to have the last of his prime beaten out of him at the uh, cement fist of Justin Gaethje. I'd uh, give Gaethje some sort of uh, promise at an equally big fight. Maybe not on 300, but on another card and say to Max, come on, you can squeeze down to 145 in time. We want to see you fight Ilya Tapuria. Of course, Holloway could beat Gaethje and then the Tapuria fight is absolutely massive. Absolutely massive. And you wonder, you know, it's the, uh, what is it? Immovable object versus the unstoppable force. Max is just made of iron. You wonder, could his volume, could he stay in it? Could he work at Tapura? Could he drown him late? Could he take him to some deep waters? Could he make him at least show us something different? Will Tapura rely on his grappling, etc.? You know, it's a different kind of fight. I watched this one and went, oh, Volkanovski's grappling sort of being cancelled out, but Tapura wasn't using it either. And about, you know, just halfway through the second round, I thought, oh, it's not with really bad kickboxing about for the whole time, is it? But no, Tapura's just really comfortable on the feet. Just wonder, you know, if Holloway's doing his little spammy low kick, working his way in, getting the uh, the volume going, getting his jab going. He's long, he's durable, he just doesn't stop fucking going. If Tapura might start to unravel a little bit. As it stands, I'm taking Tapura. I think he's uh, he's not just a coming man. As I, as I said, uh, he is the man right now. Very, very impressed by him. And obviously, after Holloway, I've... This whole idea that I was just saying, you know, dominate the division and whatnot. Who's there to dominate? Who's he going to fight? Who of any interest in the UFC's featherweight division would make you think, oh, that's more exciting than Taporia dusting off Max Holloway and moving up to fight Islam Makhachev or moving up to fight Gaethje, Poirier, Benoit Saint Denis, whoever's there? Obviously, he has fought at 155 before. I'd love to see him established dominance at 145 but he seems to have bigger goals he did say in the post-fight press conference you know I'll fight with the UFC put in front of me but 
I'm sure we'd love to fight Conor McGregor in a big money fight. I'm sure the UFC would love to put that one on. Especially if, if McGregor can beat Chandler. If McGregor can beat Chandler, I think it's on. I think it's a big one for sure. It's kind of fight they do at Croke Park or as I say, or, or Bernabeu or whatever. And uh, yeah, I think it'd be worthwhile from a monetary business standpoint, don't get me wrong. I couldn't give a fuck about Tapura fighting Conor McGregor, to be honest with you. He's been mentioning it for the past couple of weeks. And his star is in the ascendancy. I know what we're going to say. You know, they, have, they have very similar career paths. McGregor was like this. And it's probably the ascension to the top that I can think of most comparative. You know, McGregor was just everywhere at that point. Bigger star. But in terms of running through top-level opponents and smashed a pound-for-pounder, most people have had Jose Aldo pound-for-pound number one at the time. See, Volkanovski was pound-for-pound number one not too long ago. Certainly. Even though Tapuria's sort of arrogance seems mm. just for the cameras, and McGregor seemed inherent to his actual personality, I think Tapuria's probably quite a nice, humble chap away from this uh, fake trash talk. Um, I can see them using that as a springboard to sell in the fight. You know, both knockout eyes, both 145 pound champions. Now we're going to fight 155, whatever. I'm still not certain that McGregor's going to fight again. I'm still not certain how the fuck he's going to look against Chandler. Bad, I imagine. And I prefer to see, as I say, Tapura could fight Max Holloway. He could fight Evloev, who's undefeated as well. They could sell it like that. I think Tapura would fucking annihilate Evloev, to be honest with you. But it would sell and it'd be a worth, worthwhile contender to fight. I don't think the winner of Calvin Cater and Aljamain Sterling does anything for me personally. Doesn't do much for Tapura either. And the winner of Yair and Brian Ortega, well, that's three generations of featherweight championship leftovers yeah lost to fucking Holloway and Volkanovski the pair of them and now we're going to uh, now we're going to do uh, Taporia battering one of them as well doesn't do much for me I can see why they might do it but not much from there unless someone emerges which will happen from time to time or was a super fight at one you know O'Malley beats off beats off <clears throat> Umatron uh, batters a couple of contenders and suddenly adds a bit of muscle when you go well yeah I wouldn't mind seeing that that doesn't do anything for me either Tapura looks that fucking good. So, you know, Holloway plus Avloev plus Ortega, Yair winner. Do that in 12 months. Get moving. Bloke looks like a superstar and uh, can't wait to see him fight next. This uh, rain at 145 being sure if uh, Gaethje knocks the shit out of uh, Holloway even for a bit because you need Holloway to be at the absolute peak of his durability He's going to have any chance of combating Tapura, in my opinion. But, hey, you know, stranger things have happened. And uh, I've not exactly counted Holloway out in that fight against Gaethje. Gaethje can be flaky, we know that. And uh, if that is going to be a five-rounder, could be there for Max. We know that, you know, Poirier hurt him. I think Gaethje's the harder single hitter than Poirier. But Poirier's no slouch in the punching department. Hurt Max more than once in that fight. And Max came surging back. So, and, and obviously went the five rounds. So, yeah, I think, you know, counting Holloway out when he seems to be doing the weight well. It's another thing as well. If he's going to pack on a bit of muscle now to be a bit stronger at 155, is he then going to be able to cut down to 145 as easy? We've seen him before look like an absolute skeleton at the weight. So, all these things add up to whether or not that fight would be as interesting as it could be as of today. But I'd absolutely love to see it. Um, on the, uh, we had a bit of a, you know, Group Discord chat on 
on Saturday nights unrelated to this podcast you're not missing out and uh, me and someone else I can't remember who now but said it basically at the same time the, the Matador is not an apt nickname for Tapore it should be called The Bull I wrote on X X slash Twitter this morning am I finally going to say X no I'm going to say Twitter he's a one man wrecking machine cuts through grapplers of ease stands in the pocket with knockout eyes takes apart generals he has it all he should be called The Bull the bull. That's why he's the bull. The bull. That's what I'm talking about. That's why he's the MVP. That's why he's the goat. The goat. <laughs> well, he ain't the goat just yet, but Ilya Taporia, as you just heard from me, very, very formidable indeed. And I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on the future of the featherweight division, the future of Taporia's career, the future of Alexander Volkanovsky's career. Do you think he should come back? Do you want to see a rematch? Do you think that he can actually now even better plan for Tapura, knowing even more what his attacks are? Or like me, would you prefer for Volkanovski to take on some lesser challenges and uh, see the sun set on his career in a much more pleasant way than the uh, nuclear fireball of another Tapura right hand bouncing off his ever-aging dome? Until next time, and there will be more podcasts coming to this feed, but if you want to get a more regular dose of combat chronicles again that address is www.patreon.com slash combat chronicles but whether you sign up or not you'll be hearing from me soon have a great one thanks for listening appreciate your time and if you do want to support the podcast further you can just give it a five star rating and review on your preferred podcast platform helps make it more visible to others thanks see ya Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 